Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 238. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the highly talented writer of comics, screenplays, novels, and short stories, Phoebe Xavier. Phoebe. Hi, Barney. Hi, Barney. Thank you for having me on. I'm pretty excited to talk to you about your latest novel that you, that just came out uh, that's available now as of this recording, Superliminal Latency, which is now available in Kindle form. You've been writing since fifth grade, correct? Oh, yeah, about. So talk to us a little bit about how you kind of got started into the, the writing genre and which writing genre, because as we mentioned, you've ri- you write screenplays, you write novels, you write comic books. Which one do you seem to gravitate more towards? I really like comic books. Comic books, um, it's it's really rewarding to uh, hold a comic book in my hand. As uh, if if ten year old me knew that I had made 13, 14, 15 comic books, ten year old me would be like, "What? That's incredible!" Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool to um, be a comic book creator. I think that it also takes a little bit more resources though than to write your own screenplay or your own short stories. Um, and a little bit easier than putting together a novel. But um, yeah, so uh, I'd say since I was reading science fiction very early in my life and comic books early in my life, that's why to this day I write them both. You've had a pretty successful run on one of your comic book series, Side Reel Apogee. Do you want to talk to our audience a little bit about that? Super Liminal Latency is a 17 uh, short story collection. And it is okay. my first book. Um and uh, it's been 20 years in the making that uh, the first two stories were written somewhere around 2003, 2004. And um, it's connected to Sidereal Apogee, uh, my first comic book, which we have six issues completed of, in that like some of the stories share the same universe, the same continuity. I um, have a, uh, it takes place at approximately 2450 to 2460 AD. And it is a society, a human society that spans the solar system. And um, they've colonized um, the asteroid belts and the uh, outer and the biggest moons of the gas giants. Mars is actually more populated than Earth, and um, the people that control the universe are a um, an organization or the solar system are an organization called Solcor, and it is a police and um, law enforcement and court system, judicial system set up by the biggest corporations in the solar system. So it's a very dystopian, depressing sort of future to look forward to <laughs> and i'm really curious too so this is an amazing website that you can order these off of, of indieplanet.com you can get these books at a, at a pretty good price as well and those are like the the print on demand books like five dollars for one of those it's print on demand the paper is incredible on those books actually that's glossy like fairly hard stock paper and, and you see a dinosaur on the cover there so the story with the dinosaurs being in the future is that I explained that um, they did a sort of Jurassic Park type thing at some point, and then they broke out of the zoo. They were in a zoo in Boise, Idaho, that a whole bunch of dinosaurs broke free during some war. And um, so that's why she's being chased by a Tyrannosaurus, who looks slightly like a, a, a chicken, because that's what Tyrannosauruses are, they're tiny chickens. So talk to us a little bit about your other series that, you, that you've written for as well. Um, so I put a couple of stories into our espionage book, Gunmetal Black Ops. Um, uh, I think, did I have a story in episode, in the first one? Um, 
I know. Oh yeah, I wrote I wrote the cover story for the first one. Um, I I, I kind of created that book. Um, it's an espionage um and assassins kind of anthology. Mm. And I created that book. Uh for a space for my friend Frederick B. Roseman to put his characters. And those are the two ladies on the cover. And that's Black Cauldron and Jade Lyon. And they are an assassin team. And they're also really sexy uh, ladies. And they're also a couple. Did you meet Jeff Haas through this? Because I see that he's also one of the writers. Oh, I mean, yes. Okay, so I met Jeffrey through um, a Facebook forum called... Um, comic book anthology creators, which is where I posted a uh, uh, an ad query of sorts and was like, does anybody have an eight page uh, assassination or espionage story? And so Jeff wrote this, or he pitched me this story about a guy that would be sent to hell to kill the devil. And like as an assassin from heaven sent to hell to kill the devil. And I think the, the, the only notes that I had on this pitch was, yeah, but just give him a gun because <laughs> it's in the title of the book. <laughs> that's amazing and and so but you also had a very had a successful kickstarter a little while ago about the 13th moon which is a halloween anthology correct it is yes that's a horror anthology for halloween halloween base centered um and that was uh my first successful kickstarter that i did like on my own as part of one two three go publications our comic book brand and i was very very happy to um just barely eclipsed the goal, and um, I, I still have the at least a few copies left of my own that I that I printed up a stash of them for myself to sell. Um, but yeah, I think we we sold about 150 copies on on that um, on that initial Kickstarter. You kind of a you have an image in your head when I when I think about the titles of your books that really kind of make me want to learn more about the stories. For instance, we just talked about Side Real Apogee raining devil one of them is like your most recent book that just came out as we're talking about which is more of a uh, a novel a collection of short stories that you've written over the years super liminal latency what does that title mean that's interesting so super liminal is almost like the opposite of subliminal like mm -hmm. instead of being um understated being overstated and um that uh and latency meaning like with a delay or an echo of some sort and i think i picked that title based on like how long it's taken me to put the collection together um that i've been writing all along but it's like okay now put this body of work out and like maybe people will like what you've written in the last 20 years um but at least like you know know that you weren't writing for no reason now you can present it to an audience now do these short stories take place within the same the same universe as your comics then you said some of them are it comes it comes down to um stories usually that are introduced with a location in the solar system and the a time stamp with the uh words terran standard meaning earth standard time um so it's like 2452 terran standard like as as recorded from earth and so both in the comic books uh sidereal apogee both in sidereal apogee and um the novel a lot of stories will um start that way and that's a good way to know that you're in that continuity um mm. but the there's also um a number of stories in there that are not in that continuity what genre is do you find yourself easiest to write for you uh, i think i gravitate towards the cyberpunk towards sci-fi um i like to do a lot of research into um real things in the real world that are either technology that is being developed could be developed um, real, real facts about real stars and asteroids or planets. Um, 
I used to contact NASA a lot. Before before the Trump administration, it was pretty easy to send an email to somebody in NASA and they'd be like, oh yeah, I will tell you everything I know about Venus. That's so great. You want to know about Venus. And like, so you could talk to like really uh, professional experts, uh, you know, uh, professors that are studied and learned in those things. So I did do a lot of research at times that I was getting um, my descriptions of things directly from scientists who spend their whole day studying shit like that. Oh, uh, so yeah, sci-fi is probably my favorite genre to work in. Although at the moment, um, what I'm working on is getting into more surrealism and I'm working on writing a uh, magic realism story. Do you have to use a different part of your creativity to talk about more of like a science sci-fi side of storytelling as compared to like a magical uh, version of storytelling? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have, um, uh, I don't really have my imagination compartmentalized so much like that. I think that um, when I come up with a good idea, I will jot down some notes on it. And then if more of it comes down to me, I'll start writing more on top of that. And then sometimes I have the beginning of a story. Um, the story I'm working on right now is called Bluetooth. It's about uh, King Harold Bluetooth, uh, the first king of the Danes, first king of Denmark. And um, for, for a day or two, it just sat there with like the title and like, okay, so it's a biography of Harold Bluetooth. I'm like, I knew where I wanted to go with it and it just sat there for a day or two. And then I researched a little bit more and then I went back and wrote like two pages because um, I had to have some factual knowledge to go in and have anything to write about. So I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about him and um, yeah, kind of had a better feel for where my story was going. And three or four days, I had like four pages in mostly knowing what I'm doing. Well, and wasn't now that Bluetooth, that's like, the sign Bluetooth is actually runic for Bluetooth, right? It's the combinations of the words B and uh, T, I think, or Harold and um, uh, Gormason is his last name. So I don't know, or it may, might be B and T combined, but yeah, those are uh, Viking runes that um, we use on our phone. That is the symbol, yes. <laughs> That's funny. It's, it's almost like a combination of what you're talking about, love, like magic and sci-fi. When you actually have runic symbols on like digital work yes so um and that's kind of where the story goes and where it winds up is that um when he dies even though he died as a christian he doesn't go to christian heaven or hell or um nordic valhalla or hell um instead he finds himself trapped in our modern times um with his soul being pulled in every which direction and uh because he feels feels songs and information passing through him as he's used as a conduit between devices and speakers <laughs> so, so somebody that writes different in, in different mediums do you ever start writing down do you finish a story then kind of decide or finish an idea to say this would be a better comic script or this would be better a long form or this would be a better screenplay how do you decide what genre you're going to make that story into um so yeah not so much by genre but um opportunity i think okay. um that when i'm trying to get something printed um like I have a story called um, The CG Rendered Man that I wrote in the past year, which is kind of um, an homage to Bradbury. Um, but the uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, I can pitch right now to this horror sci-fi uh, magazine. You, do you have anything that you want to pitch to them? I was like, yeah, give me a week. I wrote the story and like gave it to him. But I had that idea for the story sitting on my computer for four years. And it was probably going to go into a uh, comic book instead at some point. Um, actually, I had it like marked down to go into Sidereal Apogee number 10 or 11. And um, but it was like, hey, if I have a chance to publish this now, then let me do that now. Um, 
uh, in, in a vice versa sort of situation, um, my story in 13th Moon Volume 1 is called Escape Pod. And that one I had, um, I was pretty sure I was going to write it as a short story. And then there was a anthology that asked for a pitch. And I felt that that story was good for the pitch. So I paid uh, Renan uh, Baltimont to do four pages of it. And we submitted it to that. They rejected our story. So I put published it in my own book. Wow. Now, do you, what are some of the benefits that you've seen? Because you've worked on a, a lot of anthologies. What advice would you give to writers on either either writing your own long form story, write short stories or, or be a part of an anthology. What are some of the benefits of all of those? Uh, I think um, anthologies are a great place to get a break into indie comics these days. Advice on how to do that is write concise stories. Okay. The, um, the big time anthology is going to put you in their book. They're going to put you in their book because they like your idea and it only takes up one or two pages. Uh, they're not going to give eight to 10 pages to someone they've never worked with before that, that they don't know to have the, the time and energy to deliver on, on their schedule as demanded. Like until you're, until they know you're reliable, you're not reliable, you're a gamble, but they might give you a chance at one, two or four page story. Um, so yeah, okay. initially keep it short, keep it simple for long form and, uh, for short stories, I would say, uh, and, and this applies to, um, submitting comic book anthologies as well is uh, grow thicker skin. You're going to get uh, 20 rejections for every acceptance. Um, like I write pitches and like the, like essentially metaphysically, uh, psychically just burn them. Just like, this is never going to happen, but I wrote the pitch, send it in. And like, if, if you're waiting on every um, response letter, like, ooh, 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 maybe this is the one, you're probably don't, you're not built for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the, it, it, everyone can't be the one, yeah. Right. Now, now what, where do you see, for instance, do you prefer actually being a participant in an anthology or do you prefer actually being kind of like the project manager in an anthology? Either way works for me. Um, right. I've been a part of two really big uh, anthologies, um, the, the Modern Mythology uh, that was uh, in, Modern Mythology anthology that was two volumes of it were put out on Kickstarter by Caleb Palmquist. Um, and I just contributed a story to each one. That's, you know, that was easy breezy for me from my end. He actually linked me up with, um, the woman who is my, was my artist on those stories. And she's still part of my one, two, three, go publications group. Um, Federica Tizio, she's brilliant. Um, but, um, that, oh, what's the other one? Oh, I'm now in it. I have a story being featured in a Florida anthology that hasn't gone live yet on Kickstarter, but I have a, um, the, the concept of that book is there's so many of these Florida man stories that um, we both have some that are actual retellings of real like headlines and some that we just made up like, hey, this could, would be a thing a Florida man would do. And so that's kind of the fun of the book is like guessing which one of these are real or not. <laughs> yeah, there's something about I remember somebody saying you can just like type in your name, your your birthday and then type florida man and there's bound to be some but something happened on your birthday that says there's a title about florida man oh hell yeah yeah no, florida's crazy i've lived there a number of times over the last a decade and florida is a crazy place so talk to us how many stories are actually um in your the super liminal latency and what can people expect from that there is 17 stories there are 17 stories um is uh in terms of how page count, I think it's predominantly sci-fi cyberpunk. 
Um, there is also, as we mentioned before, a bit of erotica in some of the stories, but those are shorter stories and only a handful of the stories. Uh, there's a lot of action and suspense, and um, yeah, I, I, I had a really fun time writing all of it. My favorite one is called The Slipstream Fiasco, and I think that's um, where I kind of got this hankering to do a surrealist type of writing. And to mm. me, um, that was one of the trippiest stories in the book. One of the uh, main characters in that is a character named Herbert the Walrus. And he is just a walrus that hangs out at this bar drinking all the time. And he talks and he's dressed like Sherlock Holmes. And it's just like, nobody acts like there's anything weird about it. It's just like, that's Herbert, you know? Do, did any of these stories ever ma have you inspired to tell turn that into a, either a screenplay or, or a another comic book or something along those lines? Yeah, a number of these characters either started as short stories, then moved into Sidereal Apogee or came from Sidereal Apogee, and then I wrote a story about them that is now in Superliminal Latency. So yeah, mm. I, once again, it's a two-way street on that. Right. Man, that's amazing. So uh, what, some, what kind of advice would you give to um, authors, or, or authors or people that are writers that want to get into finding an artist for a comic book script? What advice would you give them on how to find really good artists? Uh, well, to find them, they're on Facebook. There's like a 20 different groups and there's different like maybe populations and population distribute distributions in these groups. But um, other than uh, go to the Facebook comic book creator sort of pages, also save your pennies and nickels because the better artists like cost better money, cost more money. If you find a really good artist and there might be another writer who says, hey, I love your artist. How much of a how territorial should writers be or should writers in wanting to share their artists? I mean, I don't think that uh, I think you should want the best for your artists and um, mm. give, get them other gigs. If they can get other gigs. Um, uh, I think that in indie underground comic book creating creation as it exists in 2023. Uh, yeah. Pe people are going to, well, it takes like, it takes a long time to get some books done sometimes. Um, yeah. Just because you found an artist doesn't mean they could do the 20 pages you have written in two months. It might take them two years because they have these all, all these other gigs. And I think it's good to encourage that type of like you. Oh, this is what I was going to say. The way that uh, Indian Underground Comics exists right now is that artists make money. Writers make money if they can sell it. But the, the, the artists have to be paid up front. You still got to do this, this sales side of things to make money. The writers get paid last then basically. Oh yeah, if at all. One, two, three, go publications. Um, uh, with any luck, we will be putting out a number of new books this year. Moloch, Raining Devil, what you're showing right there, uh, issue number three should be out this year. There's also oh, wow. a Moloch one-shot that we've been working on that's called Moloch and Pride's Maw. And that's the first time that I wrote a story about Moloch. Up to now, it's all been Jeffrey's stories. Um, but I had an idea that I pitched to him that I was like, hey, do you like this? I want to do this as a Moloch one-shot. He's like, does this fit into your worldview of like where this character is going and everything? And Jeffrey liked the idea. So with the same artist that is the main artist in the Moloch series, um, I'm working on a one-shot. Uh, also, Gunmetal Black Ops number four should come out this year. And oh, no. um, 13th Moon Volume 2 and hopefully Volume 3 will both be launched this year. All of these is, are the projects that you've been working on then? Yeah, and I mean, all those I wanted to finish last year, <laughs> but um, other things came up. We talked about some of your pros and some of that. There, there are some connections, but is there an overarching universe that 
Raining Devil, Side Real Apogee, Gunmetal Black Ops. I know they're they're sub inside there. There's separate stories, but is there reoccurring characters that happen from say Raining Devil? Can they be seen in any Side Real Apogee stories? Anybody in Gunmetal Black Ops can be seen in say a Raining Devil story. There's any Easter eggs that you kind of throw in there? Um, there's definitely always an opportunity for characters. Um to appear in the different books. Yes. I'd say that the scenario Apogee universe is more of a, um, inside the, whatever that weird spiral thing that evil Morty broke out of. Um, I forgot what that was, but, um, like a wormhole or something or, uh, no, like, um, a continuity, uh, a certain universe, like the Marvel universe, oh, okay. MCU or whatever. Okay. So scenario Apogee has a very well-defined and contained, um, universe, but there can be espionage stories in that. So they might appear in, um, Gunmetal Black Ops. Uh, there okay. could be horror stories in there. So yeah, actually my story Escape Pod in uh, 13th Moon Volume 1, even though it's in our horror anthology, takes place in the uh, Sidereal Apogee continuity. Okay, that's awesome. So what made you decide to uh, release to, to release Super Liminal Latency straight off as a as a Kindle as a Kindle read and not necessarily as a Kickstarter or putting out as a as a, a book that someone can go out and purchase physically well they are going to be able to phys physically purchase it on one two three uh, on indieplanet.com forward slash one two three go pretty soon um but um i as far as why i put the kindle out as quick as i did i did it as soon as i could <laughs> as soon as i had like a working document version of it that my editor said yeah i think everything's right let's go <laughs> um up there I put it up there as quickly as I could. And um, yeah, because like I said, it's been two decades in the making. And even this editing process has been going on since like the first COVID lockdown. So. Wow. So talk to us a little bit about the editing process. How important would a writer, if a writer says, you know what? I got, Phoebe, I got $300 on me. Where do I spend that $300 if I want to get my book published? Yeah, I would say, okay, so right now I'm spending that that amount of money approximately on a woman who is reformatting uh, the script, that my final PDF for Kindle, that uh, they kind of botched some of the spacing. So even though the story is all there, the way that I wrote it, kind of like it, it, it gets extra tabs at certain places. And um, so I, um, I hired a woman recently who is a professional at this, and that is reformatting specifically for Kindle. And, and what about editing? How important it is to find an editor to read your proofread your books? Oh. Yeah, no, this book would not be what it is without Joseph Cervellan, who is my editor. And um, that is also not necessarily cheap. So yeah, be, be ready to pay a respectable rate to your um, to people that you need to properly put out a professional book. Um, and so, so what's next then? And you mentioned Phoebe earlier that you do have some sequels to your, your existing series coming out. Um, and they can buy all of these right now on Indie Planet right now, correct? Yeah, and not only just buy them, um, both Trouble Number One, um, Thirteenth Moon Volume One, and Gunmetal Black Ops Number Two are available for free digital download. You can download them right now for free. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. and and then and then once they kind of get that taste, they're able to then go ahead. And as I got to, and as I was saying earlier. There are some amazing prices on here. A lot of people, when you look at Kickstarters or you look at 
trying to purchase some of these things from other sites, you're ta you're talking about close to ten dollars per book. But here, as we said, this is a great deal. As you said, some of them are free, but some of them some of them right here are like five dollars for the book. That's an amazing price for a full comic book. Yeah, I think Sidereal Apogee number five is like almost forty pages, and it's like five fifty. Like, um, wow. I, I basically pay pay everything up front so much that once I'm in, get it in its final form, that I'm like, yeah, let's price it like a regular comic book. I, 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 I burnt that money when I when I paid those artists to make that. Like, I knew this was a passion project. I never expected to be as big as the Marvel universe. Is there any? thoughts on having some sort of like one shot where you have say like Malik or, and then trouble, like do some of these characters actually kind of cross pollinate and be in like a, uh, a comic book book together. That'd be fun. Uh, I do have some ideas where, um, where the Malik universe might interact in the future with other ideas of mine that I have in motion. But as far as, um, a def definite interaction. None of that is uh, in the books yet. None of it that has been written. Uh, so as we said that it, the, the book itself is uh, available. Uh, you have super liminal latency is available as of this recording. Um, it is available now on Kindle. And as Phoebe mentioned, it will be available in print form on indieplanet.com soon. Definitely check out her stuff. It is some fun writing, uh, some great genres that we just mentioned earlier that's that take place in here. And there is probably some of the most creative anthology stories that I've seen in a very long time. Oh, thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. That's very kind. Yeah. So Phoebe, if somebody, if, if people want to learn more about your work, where's, what's the plus, best place they could go to? I'll learn more about my work. I would say a uh, Google Phoebe A. Xavier, and there'll be like 15 podcasts at least that pop up that I've done in the last few years. You can listen to me talk for a while. Um, I don't always say the same stuff, although you have to repeat your origin story sometimes. Um, and yeah, um, but yeah, go to IndiePlanet.com forward slash one, two, three, go is usually the place to uh, buy our books on Facebook. Uh, we have a one, two, three, go publications fan page, sort of, and Facebook just changed fan pages again. And so it's my business or something. And they just confused me in the last week. I don't know, but I'll be posting more on there now. I also have an Instagram that I hardly ever use. Um, it's at Phoebe one, two, three, go. Perfect. Well, well, thank you so much, Phoebe. And listen, when you get your another anthology coming out, we can jump back in. It's so great to see that you work a lot with Jeffrey. That's amazing. Um, the next thing that I personally am going to kickstart on One Two Three Go is probably going to be Viking Saga of the North, which is a historical accounting of the Viking Age that was envisioned by my friend uh, Jose Ernesto Diaz. He's out of Guatemala, um, and uh, we have honed that down to a 22-page comic book, which is going to be awesome. It's going to be our first bilingual book that we're planning an English version and a German version. Because um, one of the co-creators is based out of Germany and has a lot of like ties to academic studies of the Vikings. And so Jose um, managed to get 2,000 followers on Instagram in like five months um, just by posting cool Viking stuff and adding anybody who is interested in Vikings. So like we have a big audience ready for it in Germany as well. So we're going to do an English version and a German version. That's awesome. That sounds amazing. That's, yeah, I got to come back but, on for that. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. And it's Viking Saga of the North with an underscore under each word. All right. Well, thank you so much, Phoebe. It was great talking to you. 
Thank you for having me, buddy.